Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Amen. Good morning, Church at Starkey Hills. How are we doing this beautiful morning? I love it. I love it. Pastor Joel, one of the first things he told me about you guys is that you love to lay on your horns. So that's awesome. I love, I love it. I want that engagement throughout this whole thing. Okay. Uh, so, man, I am, uh, I'm so excited to be here with you all this morning. If you don't know me already, I've had an opportunity to meet some new people. I know some people here already, but if you don't know me, my name is Alex Fletcher. I am a student pastor at, uh, at Foothills Church in Maryville, Tennessee. Been on staff there for about two years. Uh, my wife Haley is here in one of these cars. Uh, I don't really know how to... There she is. She's waving right in the middle. Uh, my wife Haley is here with me. And uh, man, I'm so thankful for, for your church. Uh, I, I was actually, uh, it was funny, I was talking to, uh, to Adam Wilson, and, and I, I've been a part of a Bible study here for, for when I was in college, and, and, and really one of my first opportunities in, in ministry uh, was leading a separate Bible study where Adam Wilson was hitting on a, on a box very similar to that one, and so it's cool to be back here with, uh, with some of the, these guys, and I'm excited to be able to share uh, a word that I believe that God has given me with you this morning. I'm thankful for your church and, and Pastor Joel. You have an amazing pastor. Uh, thankful that he gives. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful that he gives young guys like me opportunities like this. Um, and so I'm excited and uh, uh, ready to hear what God has to say this morning. And so uh, I mentioned I've been on staff at at a church as a student pastor for, for almost two years now. And so it's my first job in ministry. I'm new to ministry. And uh, I'll be honest, like, like th- this is something like I've never experienced before. I, I never thought that I would be a part of a drive-in service in the year 2020. I never thought that, that I would be preaching on, on the stage like this outside. I never thought that I'd be preaching to a group of windshields right, where you honk your horn to say amen. I never thought that that was going to happen, right? And, and I'm sure that we all have a lot of things like that that, that we can say this year. And so I, what I want to do is take just a few minutes to start out this morning, get, get some energy up, you might have your coffee. And, and so I want to play a game really quick, okay? So honk your horn if you have heard of the game, Never Have I Ever. Anybody? Yeah? Awesome. So, we're going to play a game kind of like that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say honk your horn if, and if that situation applies to you, I need you to honk your horn and let me know. Okay? So you're like, dude, you're such a student pastor. That's awesome. Uh, so here's what I want you to do. Honk your horn if before 2020 you've never been a part of a drive-in service. Me neither. Honk your horn if you've never experienced a worldwide pandemic before this year. It should be everybody unless you're like 110 years old and then, then you wouldn't honk. Honk your horn if over the last month or so you have gotten your hair done with a face mask on. Awesome. Now, finally, honk your horn. This one's funny. Honk your horn if at some point you've had a conversation with someone you're close to, a relative, and had to ask them if, if you can hug them. Like, like, are we hugging? Is that something we can... It's like that awkward, like, am I allowed to hug you? I, I don't know. And so, yeah, so I would say 
that it's safe to say that, that all of us have experienced something this year that we never thought we would, right? Like, like I, I think about COVID-19, a worldwide pandemic that has taken so many jobs. It's taken away graduations from seniors. It's taken away so many lives. I think about the, the racial divide in our country, the things that we see on the news, the protests, and, and all these things that are going on. And, and throughout this entire year of 2020, if you've been on Facebook or Twitter or read articles, you've probably heard this statement. Be part of the solution, not the problem. Be part of the solution, not the problem. You have one group of people screaming, hey, wear a mask when you go out. Some people are like, you don't need to wear a mask. We got some people saying, hey, you need to post on Facebook. And you're like, well, some people are like, you need to keep your mouth shut. You have some people that are saying, we need to protest. And others that are shouting, no, don't, don't protest. I don't, I don't know how you feel we should bring about a solution. But what I believe is that we all, in some way, want to be part of the solution, not the problem. I believe that. And we may disagree on the method or strategy that's required to bring about that solution, but what I think we can agree on, what I think it all comes down to, is we all want change. We all want things to change. Now, you may be, you may be here this morning, you probably are, and say, listen, I would love for my financial situation to change, right? You, amen, praise God. You may be here this morning and think, you know, I, I want this situation that we're in in our country to change. I want COVID-19 to be gone. I'm tired of Zoom calls. I'm tired of it. Amen. Yes. That's going to be the most amens I get all morning. I'm tired of COVID-19. I'm ready for it to be gone. You may be tired of, of what we're seeing in our culture. You may want, you may want change socially. You may want justice where there's injustice. I don't know about you guys, but I want some change in our churches. I want whenever we're able to gather back together again, I don't want it to be the same as it was. I want it to be better. I want the culture of church to change. I want the church to be the church. Maybe, maybe you want your marriage to change. Maybe you want your, your rhythms and routines and habits that you've set up in your life during this season to change. I don't know what it is that you want to change, but here is what I know. The power in change comes from a change in power. The power in change, what makes change powerful is the change in power. Now, I'm not talking about a change in political power. I'm not talking about the election coming up. I'm not talking about you getting a different boss at work. That's not gonna, probably not going to bring the change that your heart really wants. That's not what I'm talking about. The, the change that we want, the change that our world needs, real change will only come when we give authority to the right person. It will only come when we surrender any control, any power that we have and give it to the right person. Change will only come when a sovereign God works on our behalf. Change is only going to come through the power of Jesus Christ. So, if we believe that, then what we are saying that we want is we 
We want change, and change will only come with a movement of God. And I believe that God wants to move, but I also believe that He might just be waiting for us to ask. He might be waiting for us to ask. And, and here's why I think that. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We read this verse, and, and it's a verse that comes up when we talk about revival. That's where our mind instantly goes. And I believe that our country, our churches do need revival. But there's something that comes before revival. And that's prayer. And so you may be sitting here thinking, Alex, listen, I, we've just met. I woke up early this morning. I got dressed. I got my kids dressed. Somehow made it here somewhat on time. Maybe you did it. Maybe you're in the back and you came in during the first song. Whatever. That's okay. No judgment. No judgment. But I did all of this. I came to church this morning just to hear the preacher say that if I want to see change in my life, all I have to do is pray. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But what if I told you that prayer was more than just talking to God? What if I told you that there was more to prayer than just communicating to God, listening to God, and telling Him the things that you want or, the, or, or giving Him a list of your needs? What if I told you there was more? Well, I believe there is. And so this morning, I want to look at a passage of Scripture written by James, the brother of Jesus, where he speaks about prayer. So if you would, open up your Bibles to James chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 13 through 16. So James chapter 5, verse 13. A little bit of context. We see James speaking here to a group of people that were formerly Jewish that have now been converted to Christianity. So they're followers of Jesus. They're, they're former Jews who are now dispersed outside of Palestine. And, and James writes a lot of things to them. But, but one thing that he finds important to say when he writes to this group of people is, is he talks about prayer. And I know he thinks it's important because he began his letter by speaking about prayer. And then in chapter 5, he ends his letter by bringing up prayer again. So, in chapter 5, the end of his letter, this is what James writes. Verse 13, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I love how he starts this passage with a question. He says, is anyone among you suffering? So what I want to do is I want to kind of start by asking you guys the same question. Is anyone among us suffering? Well, I would say that our black brothers and sisters right now are suffering. 
I would say that the persecuted church all throughout the entire world are suffering. I would even say that there's probably people sitting in this parking lot this morning that are suffering. So yes, there is suffering among us. The next question, he says, is anyone among you sick? (laughs) 7.2 million cases of COVID-19, 413,000 recorded deaths worldwide. Yeah, there's a few sick people (laughs) among us. Has anyone among you sinned? Well, only 100% of people every single day for the entire human history, except for one man, Jesus. So yes, there are people among us who have committed sin. What does James say to do about that? He says to pray. He said, is, is, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call to the elders of the church and let them pray over him. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. No matter what you're experiencing, the call to action is prayer. No matter what situation you're in, what, what your personal experience is, what you're dealing with right now, no matter what it is, at the end of the day, your call to action is pray. Pray. Well, well why? <laughs> why is that the call? Is it that simple? Well, here's, here's why. If you're taking notes, number one, very simple. Prayer works. Prayer works. Y'all, okay, we, we got a little bit quiet. So somebody, if you can testify that prayer works, will you say amen? Will you honk your horn? Like, prayer works, y'all. Like, I can tell you from personal experience in my life, and I'm sure many of you can, prayer works. But yet, there are times in our lives, all of us, where we pray It seems like nothing is happening. And we're like, man, this isn't working. This just isn't working. But James says something interesting. He says the prayer of a righteous person has great power while it is working. Another translation says the effective prayer of a righteous person has great power. So so what that means is Prayer is effective if the prayer is. So when I say prayer, I mean the person who's praying. Prayer is effective if the prayer is. In other words, prayer works, but prayer is work. If you're not willing to put in the hard work of living your life as a servant of God, then why would you expect God to bless you as a son of God? So many of us, man, we we live in sin and then we expect God's favor on our life. That's ridiculous. Now, you may be thinking, the pushback to this is, 
Alex, like, are you saying that I have to act good in order for God to answer my prayer? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think that we need to understand that when we approach our Heavenly Father, He parents us a little bit different than, than, than we do. He parents different than humans do. So, like, God doesn't say, hey, if you listen to Alex's sermon, I'm going to give you 17 M&Ms after service, Right? Like, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't work like that. That's not how God operates. So, so think about this. This may help. Take yourself back to a time in your life when you were still under the authority of your parents and you were in trouble, okay? So go back to that rebellious stage of life that you were in. We've all had one. Some people were, were more extreme than others. We're not going to judge, okay? So, so take yourself back to that place, and there's nothing worse than when your parents were mad at you, and then you needed something from them, right? Like, like oh, I just got in trouble. My parents yelled at me. Now I want to go to the movies. I have to ask them for money. So you, so you like take the walk of shame, and you're like, ah, I don't really want to go in their room and ask them for this. This is awkward. Like, you don't know how to approach them. So finally you work up the courage, you ask, and they may or may not give you what you want. They probably give you what you need because they love you, but the problem there, the reason you have a hard time approaching your parents is because there is tension in the relationship. There's tension in the relationship, and when there's tension in a relationship, communication becomes more difficult. Guess what? The same is true for prayer. If there is a tension, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. If there's a strain in the relationship because of sin, it's more difficult to go to our Father and approach that throne room. But it's a little bit easier, like if you're living right, to go boldly, right? And so sometimes I think that we, that we hesitate to approach the Father in prayer. One, because, because maybe we're living in sin, but... but Maybe that's not the case. Sometimes I think we hesitate to approach God in prayer because we don't really understand what is happening when we are praying. So, I know what you guys believe as a church for the most part. We believe in the Trinity, right? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did you know that when you pray, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all working simultaneously. Did you know that? Like, like when you pray, Jesus commands us to, to pray to the Father. So we pray to the Father, but the reason you even have a desire to pray is because the Holy Spirit prompts you to do that. And then when we pray, sometimes we, we pray things that may not be in, in God's will, and, and Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us, praying for us, praying for, on our behalf. So this is kind of what it looks like. The Holy Spirit leads us to pray. We get on our knees. We say, God, I need a job. Jesus, at the right hand of the Father, interprets that prayer. He says, what he wants is joy. We say, Father, I, I want you to heal my family. Jesus said, Father, what she wants is peace. And even in the moments that we pray and we don't have the words to say, we're speechless, we're broken, and all we can get out is, is, is tears. Even in those moments, Jesus is there praying 
on your behalf because He knows what you need. I love the way C.S. Lewis explains this, this phenomenon. He calls it the great dance or the, or the cosmic dance. This is what he says. An ordinary, simple Christian kneels down to say his prayers. He's trying to get in touch with God. But if he is a Christian, he knows that what is prompting him to pray is also God. God, so to speak, inside him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But he also knows that all his real knowledge of God comes through Christ, the man who was God, the Christ, that Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray, praying for him. You see what is happening. God is the thing that, to which he is praying. He's the goal he is trying to reach. But God is also the thing inside him which is pushing him on, the motive power. God is also the road or bridge along which he is being pushed to that goal so that the whole threefold life of the threefold personal God is actually going on in that ordinary little bedroom when an ordinary man is praying. So to say that prayer is simply talking to God is perhaps the greatest understatement ever. Because until we understand that during your prayers, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all active and invested, of course we're going to feel like our prayers aren't working. Of course we're going to feel like our prayer is ineffective. If you want want to experience power in your prayer, understand that because prayer works because God is working when you pray. Prayer works because God is working when you pray, and that is powerful, which leads me to number two. One, prayer works. Number two, prayer is powerful. It's powerful. Now, some of you may be saying, listen, I disagree, because when I try to pray, I don't feel anything. I don't feel like it's powerful. And I would say, like, maybe, maybe if your prayer feels weak, it's because you're trying to pray in your own power. Like, has anyone ever had someone pray for them or pray over them, and, and you thought, like, after they were done, it was so powerful, and you're like, do they know something about God that I don't? <laughs> like, what's going on here? That's because they were tapping in to the power of God. You see, prayer is not powerful because of the spirituality of a person. It's not powerful because this person has more charisma or they have extra passion. Prayer is powerful because that's where the presence of God is. That's where the presence of God, that's where we get to be with Jesus. How many of you know, let me know with a honk, how many of you know that there's a difference between being around someone and being with someone. So, there is. There's a difference. So, if I went to a Los Angeles Lakers game when the NBA starts back, and I went and and watched LeBron play and came back and told all of my buddies, hey, I was with LeBron last night. We hung out. He played basketball. I was talking to him. Like, I was with LeBron James. No. 
That's ridiculous. I wasn't with LeBron James. I was around LeBron James with like 20,000 other people. I can't say that I was with him, right? Husbands, let me, um, I've only been married for two years, okay? So I've got a lot to learn from you guys. But I do want to share this because I believe that this will help you. Did you know that it is possible to be around your wife without being with your wife? It's possible. So, some, some wives literally just reached over and like honked their husband's horn just then. It is. And here's how I know it is. So uh, we, we recently, my wife and I recently moved into a new home. Uh, we, we built a home and moved in in January. But before that, for six months, we lived with my parents as a married couple. It was, I'll call it a blessing. It was a blessing. So we commuted 45 minutes one way. We worked at the same place. Commuted to the church 45 minutes one way. So an hour and a half in the car every single day. We were around each other all the time. But let me tell you, as a married couple living with your parents, there are many, many, many times when I was around my wife, but I was not with my wife because I was also with my parents. (laughs) Like, it is possible to be around someone without being with them. And the same is true for God. Think about James, who wrote the passage that we just talked about. I mentioned he was Jesus' brother, but something that's interesting about James is he was not converted until after the resurrection. So James is a great example of what it means to be around someone without knowing what it's like to be with someone. He was brothers with Jesus. He was around him all the time, but he didn't learn what it was like to be with Jesus until after the resurrection. You can be around someone without being with someone. And if the church is the only place that you pray, if church is the only place that you are with Jesus, in His presence, there is something wrong. Why? Because being around God can never substitute being with God. Sitting in, the, in your car, listening to other people honk, watching people worship, is never going to be a substitute for you experiencing the presence of God in your life. It's not. power of presence comes from the presence of God and and we can only be with God to the extent or we can only know God to the extent that we are willing to be with him show me someone who says that they are growing in a relationship with God but they're not praying and I'll show you someone who is living a lie the power comes from the presence and many times man a lot of you in this parking lot may be saying, listen, I believe in the power of God. Listen, I am banking on the power of God because I need a miracle in my life. And if that's you, if you're praying for a miracle, I want you to know this this morning. You may be praying for a miracle, but the miracle is the prayer. 
Because, because we can pray for a breakthrough. We can pray for God to do a miracle. We can pray for wisdom and faith and joy and peace in our life. And what God does is He gives us Himself. He allows us into His presence. And that's where change happens. His presence is enough. And, and here's the best part. Many times we pray for things and, and God tells us to wait. Whenever we pray, we don't have to wait on his presence. That's something he gives us. It's, it's accessible to us. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave, from the dead, is living in you, and you have access to that power at every moment. And we get to experience that when we pray. But we've got to release control. We've got, there has to be a change in power because the power in change comes from a change in power. So let me ask you this. Is believing in the power of God the difference between those who experience it and those who don't? Is believing in the power of God the difference between those who experience true life change and those who miss it? Because I believe that if we actually believed in the power of God, we would pray. We would be so desperate for His presence in our life that, man, prayer would not be the last resort. It would be our first response. We would pray. So what would it look like for us to be a people of prayer. How would it change things? How would your marriage, your relationships, your job look different if you were a person of prayer? What would change in this church if we committed to praying? I think we would see families restored. I think we would see addictions broken. I think that we would see the change that we all desire to see. I think that we would see God move in a way that he's always moved. And you say, well, well, well how, has he, how has he moved? Well, let's go back to the very first church. In Acts chapter 2, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And so what did God do in the church when they devoted themselves to prayer? Well, I'm glad you asked. At Pentecost, there were 3,000 saved. There were 5,000 saved in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 5, it says that more than ever, believers were added to the church. But God didn't stop there in these pages. No, in the, in the 1730s, the first great awakening. The second great awakening in the 1820s. The third great awakening in the 1880s. The Welsh revival in 1905. The Azusa Street revival in 1906. The Jesus movement in the late 1960s and 70s. The Asbury College revival in 1970. Every single one of these movements had one thing in common. They started with prayer. Not just pastors gathering to pray, not just church leaders. No, no, no. They started with ordinary people 
students, college age students, ordinary people like you and me who are committed to seeing God move through prayer. So today, we're not just going to talk about it. We're not just going to listen to me talk about it. No, no, no. We're going to be about it. We're going to be a people of prayer. We're going to invite a change in power. We're going to give God the authority over every part of our life. We're no longer the ones in control. We are saying, God, you are on the throne. And God, we are inviting you to come and to bring the change that we need. The only one that can bring about true change in our life, that's what we're going to do. We're going to invite him to bring it. So what I want to do is we, as we conclude this service, is I want to spend some time praying. Now, I'm going to pray on this stage in front of a microphone, but I want every single one of you to pray with me. We're going to pray for three things. We're going to pray for unity. Because the scriptures say that a house divided against itself will not stand. We're going to pray for the church at Sturkey Hills. And we're going to pray for this community. So I'm going to begin to pray, and I want you guys to pray with me. I'm going to have some time after I finish praying that we can just sit in the presence of God. So let's pray together. God, I pray right now for unity. God, thank you for my brothers and sisters, the ones here, the ones who, who look like me, and the ones who do not. The ones who think like me and the ones who do not thank you for the many cultures that make up the body of Christ. Father, we pray for those that are suffering at the hands of injustice. We pray for families and communities that are hurting. Help us to suffer well together. I pray that people would know that we are your disciples by the way we love one another. So right now, continue to pray for unity. Pray for those who are hurting. Ask God to change your heart. Father, I pray for the church at Sturkey Hills. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing in this place. I look at, 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 this, at this land, I look at the construction that's about to happen, and God, that is a, is a sure sign, God, that you are working because you're bringing people here to hear the gospel. Father, I pray for every single person. Lift them up to you, every single person who calls Sturkey home. 
I pray that you would stir their hearts. God, I lift up the leadership. I pray for Pastor Joel. Pray for the leadership that you would give them strength and wisdom as they lead. God, most of all, I pray for revival in the hearts of these people. Pray that you would move in a way, God, that we can only describe as supernatural. Move in a way that only you can. God, I beg you, work on our behalf. Pray for one another right now. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the leaders here. Finally, I want to pray for this community, but if you can hear my voice right now, if you're in your car, you're sitting outside, what I want us all to do is just stretch out our hand. Because from the top of this hill, we can see hundreds, thousands of homes that we have an opportunity to influence for the gospel. So as I pray, extend your hand as if to tell the community that we're overlooking. We are here for you. We love you. We're praying for you. Father, open our eyes to the needs around us. Open our eyes to the hurt around us. God, help us to love boldly. Give us the strength to love how you love. God, I pray for this community. Pray for the lost of this community. Pray that you would use the people in this parking lot right now with their arms outstretched, begging you to move. God, I pray that you would use them to reach them. I lift up each person that is within the circle of influence of the church of Sturkey Hills. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would save hundreds, thousands in this community. God, we know that prayer works. We know that it's powerful. And so, God, would you work in a way, Lord, that is powerful. Do a miracle around us. And, Father, if there's anything I prayed right now that's been outside of your will, Jesus, I ask that you would interpret my prayer, that you would pray on my behalf, Father, that we would see you move. We are desperate for that. Pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.